Welcome to the perfume room. Hopefully you cannot hear the weird ringing that is happening in the background of this recording. They are drilling right outside of my apartment. Such a joy. Love it. New York City, the city where Emma never sleeps. Anyway, my scent of the day today is Iris Ben from Atelier Materie. And I had heard that this was a smoky iris that I would absolutely love, that I needed to try. And that's why I was very excited to get my hands on the discovery kit from Twisted Lily this morning. And rather than try on blotter first, I just went for it. I put it straight on my skin and you know what? I'm enjoying it. It is a leathery, balsamic, powdery iris scent. And in the initial spray, it actually sort of reminded me of Iris Melican from Maison Crevelli, but that was only the very beginning because where the heart of that one goes vanilla, this one goes much more leathery and suede-like, almost like a softer version of Bottega Veneta or Serge Luton Dame Blonde. It kind of evokes a feeling of smoked makeup. And like I said, I am enjoying it. I wouldn't say it is my favorite in this sort of overarching iris leather genre, but it's up there. But with that said, let me tell you some that I do absolutely adore. I think my number one in that category would be Memo Irish Leather because it has this mate note that adds some warmth, something vegetal. It feels a little bit more round. You still really get that iris and leather quality. This one was actually part of the custom Twisted Lily Discovery set that I curated, which I will say three of the five scents in there are iris forward fragrances, if you can tell where my preferences lie. Some other sort of iris leather scents I enjoy. If you want a colder, more leathery iris, I love Adis de Venustas Iris Nazarena. And if you want something that goes a little fruitier, a little more floral, Dead Cool Blondo 3 has a similar quality. Do you hear this? Do you hear this? What is going on outside my apartment? Okay, Dead Cool Blondo 3. I'm not even gonna edit that out. Like, what is going on? I feel like there's like a car chase happening. Okay, Dead Cool Blondo 3 has violet and raspberry. I can't even take myself seriously as I record this. Moving along, should we discuss the elephant in the room? His name is Elon Musk. And yes, I feel like I should just acknowledge it because I have received so many DMs about it. He has released a scent inspired by the delicious, seductive smell of burnt hair that allegedly did a whopping $1 million in sales in just 24 hours. So if you have asked me to review this scent, my answer is no. Now moving along. Today's episode is one of the most interesting ones to date, and we got a twofer today. We are joined by not one guest, but two. First, Mon Junior Perfumer Hugo Chéron and French journalist living with congenital anosmia, Emma Dancourt. This episode has three parts. First, you'll hear from Hugo about his path to perfumery. Then you'll hear from Emma about her experience navigating the world without a sense of smell. And then you will hear them together in conversation as they discuss the project that bridged these two divides, the divides of one person navigating the world primarily through his sense of smell and the other navigating the world through everything but a sense of smell. Because you see, Ugo created a fragrance specifically for Emma. And despite the fact that they're both native French speakers, in so many ways, their communication was really that of two people who don't speak the same language. It taught Ugo how to communicate the smell of something without ever describing its scent. And it taught Emma how to imagine what something smelled like through every way except the actual scent. 
Actually, as I'm recording this, Emma, I know you will be listening to this episode, so I wanted to take a step back and describe my scent of the day, the one that I just talked about, specifically for you. A few moments ago, I mentioned Iris Eben from Atelier Materie, and I described its smell, but I'm now realizing that this means nothing to you. So let me try again. Imagine soft skin covered in powder with a sort of hazy, smoky fog rising in the background. For a shape, maybe picture an oval. For music, perhaps some lo-fi techno music. And the color, a deep gray purple. It is booba. And if you, the listener, is wondering what booba means, you will learn in today's episode, but I will not spoil it here now. Without further ado, here are Hugo and Emma. Hugo, welcome to the perfume room. How are you doing today? I'm very good. I'm a bit uh, jet-lagged. Yes, you just got back from Paris, right? Yeah, yeah, on Sunday, so I woke up earlier than usual. Are you currently wearing any fragrances? I'm uh, wearing uh, Umema, mm-hmm. a fragrance I created uh, with uh, Emmanuel Dancourt, who is Anosmic. Well, this is a very special episode because we are talking about the connection between anosmia and perfume, specifically with someone who is anosmic and with someone who is a perfumer, that being you, and we're going to get to that later. Before we do, I really want to learn more about your background and career in perfume. So take me back to where it all began. When did you know you wanted to pursue this path? Uh, I think it was in a van with my parents. So we were traveling all over Europe. And I read that perfume, uh, that uh, book called The Story of a Murderer from Patrick Seskin. I was, I think, 13 years old. I was like, what is that world of invisible... uh, things so it was very well described so I got intrigued by um, that world and then I forgot about it and a few years later I don't know why I was doing some chemistry because I guess I like to mix things together mm-hmm. and at some point I'm, I was like okay I need to try something with perfumes I think I was naive enough to believe I could succeed but without that Naivety, I think I wouldn't have, I would not be where I'm, I'm right now. That's uh, so, that's so interesting. You say that what about pursuing a path in perfume? Do you think you need to be naive for? Because I didn't know it was very competitive. Mm-hmm. That the first you need to know that it's existing. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's kind of hard to know that people are working daily to create fragrances, right? When mm-hmm. you are not from the industry. And then, um, yeah, gradually I was like, okay, I need to talk to people. So I met people from the industry mm-hmm. and I, I was trying to be um, not different, but um, just to show that I was very interested. Mm-hmm. It was not enough. But seven years later, after a few, a lot of uh, different steps I'm finally here but it was not easy did you have a point of view you said after you read that book you sort of forgot about it were you wearing any fragrances during your teen years or 20s yeah I was um, wearing uh, Black Exis from Paco Rabanne mm-hmm. so it's a nice perfume about uh, apple lemon musks and a touch of cinnamon if I remember correctly mm-hmm. so very fresh for teenage uh, guy it was um, it was nice and then I discovered the perfume world so I was more intrigued by um, 
and I was loving the um, cuir noir mm. from uh, Armani Privé. Okay. Very velvety, just a bit chocolatey perfume. And then Femité Dubois was kind of a revelation to me. Uh, at that time, it was uh, from Ch Shiseido, but now it's Serge Dutens right. from 1992. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like a, a rose, a spicy rose, plus plum, some mm -hmm. uh, island, and a lot of cedar wood. Mm -hmm. Very so cedar. It's, yeah, it's very... So it's for women, but for me, it's very gender neutral and... Um, It's kind of the the first perfumes to be gender neutral. Well, you have had a, a great opportunity to work on some niche scents. I know that you were Christophe Lonemiel's trainee for a long time at Dream Air. What exactly was your path from the moment you said, okay, I have to be a perfumer? What were the next steps and training and education that you went through? So um, actually, I'm a chemist and engineer. Okay. So I did my... Uh, engineering school, so it's like five years after a batch baccalaureate in France. Uh, I worked for L'Oréal a bit, mm -hmm. so more in research and innovation. And then um, I was trying to find um, yeah, a perfumer training. It's mm -hmm. kind of hard. I went to several processes of internal schools, mm -hmm. so Givaudan, Firmanich, etc. Went kind of far in the process, but then I was not accepted. Mm -hmm. um, so then I cried a lot as one does yeah. with rejection Yeah. Um, but then I was like okay it's not over it's not over it's not over and I reached out to Christophe mm -hmm. uh, because he was doing some lessons online at the ECPCA school mm -hmm. I was like okay he's an, an interesting person he looks mm -hmm. interesting so I reached out to him Uh, he, was, he answered me like, okay, we can have a call. We had mm -hmm. a call, three hours call. And he told me at the end of it, what are you doing next week? Mm -hmm. Do you have a passport to go to the US? I was like, okay. And he told me, okay, I'm flying you to Miami because I have a, an exhibition at the Art Basel Festival. I need somebody who can take care of like uh, compressors and tubes. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So I flew, it was my first time in the U.S. What a change of life. Like one minute you were like feeling rejected and the next minute you're like, I'm going to Art Basel in Miami. Yeah. Oh my God. So it was the beginning of it. And then, uh, so I stayed two weeks. It went fine at the end of it. I told him, okay, can I stay more? I just want to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, he told me, okay, uh, can try. Then his previous assistant left. So I replaced the assistant. And at some point I told him, okay, I don't want to be an assistant, I want to be a trainee. Mm -hmm. So he told me, okay, uh, you can stay later um, on the day's work. So we're working a lot because the company is, was uh, only two or three people. Mm -hmm. With Shabi too, right? With Who Shabby, is a past yeah. perfume yeah. room guest. I love Shabi. Yeah. Hi, Shabi. Hi, Shabi. <laughs> And uh, it was like uh, four years like that. Mm -hmm. And at the end of four years, so I was compounding for him, but then on the night... On the yeah, after work, I was doing my trials, making him smell mm -hmm. uh, my rose, my muguet, my small accords, and then gradually I was working on the project with him. Wow! And uh, yeah, so thank you, Christoph. Without him, I would not be there. Mm -hmm. It was for intense years, but um, yeah, I learned a lot. So, what are some of the fragrances that you've created? So, uh, with Christoph, I, I worked, uh, he has a line called the zoo. Mm -hmm. um, we created together 
tubereuse organic. It's a tubereuse, so it's very, it's a white flower. Mm -hmm. But we wanted to create the smell of the flower of the tuberous, mm -hmm. not using the absolute of the tuberous, mm -hmm. which is a way to extract the smell of the flower. Mm -hmm. So um, we did that with a lot of, you know, it's a rich flower. Very rich. Sandalwood. Yeah. Uh, so we used a lot of sandalwood to replicate that very unctuous mm -hmm. part of it. Then a lot of uh, jasmine as well. And uh, the funny thing, we added some real tequila in, in it. Tequila? Yeah, because it's the same um, family of, of plants than the ah. tuberous nagave. Right. So we doped a bit the perfume with the wow. tequila at the end. So that was with Christophe. And now, uh, since I'm uh, with man, I created um, a scent a perfume called uh, Dead Dinosaur. Dead dinosaur? Dead dinosaur for wow. sniff. It's an interesting one. I like it a lot. It's about gasoline mm. and paired with gasoline and magnolia. Yeah, it's a very unique combination. Mm. And I am very proud of that. And uh, with that brand sniff, I'm also working on the next one, the candle, very soon. Mm -hmm. And there is another launch coming in a few days from a brand called uh, Hints. Mm -hmm. It's from uh, Korea. Mm -hmm. cosmetic brand oh. they are launching uh, five fragrances and um, yeah so that's the news right now so hopefully more to come soon but exciting what is something I mean Christoph uh, has created so many visionary fragrances and has taken so many you know risks or unique vantage points in terms of the fragrances that he creates what's something that you learned from him that you've carried with you to your career now at man I would say it's um, you need to have a strong accord Mm -hmm. from the beginning several uh, key ingredients mm -hmm. 5 to 10 and if you have that pillar mm -hmm. that very interesting scent then you can play with it and do whatever you want with it mm. I love that and I'm I'm curious when you're talking about these accords and these pillar ingredients would you say that there's uh, a sort of Hugo Charon signature or palette that feels like in that you, we might find in the base of a lot of your formulas I don't know I think I'm too young to have a signature. I think it's mm -hmm. taking a lot of time. I do love I do love uh, some ingredients, but I think it's more with the a mood or time mm -hmm. of the year. I'm um, like, and I think the the interesting thing is if you are constantly using the same ingredients, you are kind of also losing your creativity because I mean you are in your comfortable zone comfort zone mm -hmm. I think the the fact that you explore new ingredients that you don't know is also a way to keep uh, keep your imagination and creativity going I want to pivot you know you were talking about this whirlwind of you know getting a call from Christoph going to Art Basel getting moving to New York essentially like uprooting your whole life and you are someone who is sort of leaning into that like hustle of New York City. In addition to being a full-time perfumer, you're also a musician. What is your life like in New York? How long have you been here? And, and tell me about your music. Uh, so yeah, I arrived there six years ago. Uh, I worked four years with Christophe mm -hmm. and uh, right when COVID hit, I began at Man. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, New York is full of energy. It's very different from France mm -hmm. than from Paris. Mm -hmm. um, you have a lot of things going on every day. 
And uh, yeah, with the music, so I have a, a band with my roommate, mm -hmm. Clément, and uh, this is called Cosmic Gardens. Mm -hmm. So we explore music through acoustic and electronic. So it's a combination of both. And we're playing uh, yeah, like a 20, I think we played 15 to 20 dates this year. That's amazing. Yeah, in East Village usually like um, Bowie Electric or places like that. And the last one was at the Lincoln Center. Wow. Yeah. We were lucky to play there. Um, it was an immersive show. So we played the 45 minutes show. We paired it with visuals that the friend designed. Um, very nice. And two cents. Yeah. So people were experiencing that. Um, so Cosmic Gardens, you, so you have two. Um, it's kind of a paradox, like the nature. Mm -hmm. So first, first smell was very nature-like, uh, like a garden. And the music was very acoustic, very slow, to be very melancholic. The visual was very, very um, about nature. And during the show, like that nature was visually going to to the cosmos in a way. The, the smell was changing. It was going from the nature to an abstract, more metallic one. Mm -hmm. And the music was going from the acoustic to the electronic. Mm. It was kind of a full immersion. So we are working on a movie about it right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it was very well received. So I hope we would do more shows like that. That's so amazing to sort of tie this, tie your music and fragrance together. And I'm curious too, because we're about to get into a, another conversation all about synesthesia. Do you consider yourself a synesthete? I don't know about that because um, I don't know how to answer that. I do see, for instance, when I'm at the, um, when somebody is touching me, I do see some shapes. I know if you have done some um, um, sensory deprivation, it's like in Brooklyn or in New York, you have that. Those like tanks or whatever? Tanks. I haven't you done them in yet. The sol you should go. It's very interesting. Mm. In salty water. I feel like I would get like claustrophobic. And <laughs> like, this yeah. sounds like a nightmare to me. But it sounds, <laughs> I mean, some people love it. <laughs> and then, yeah, you, you, you are in that tank for an hour, I think. You float because the, this is a salty water at your mm -hmm. uh, body temperature. And then you you do nothing for an hour just, and then I saw some um, green shapes on the top left corner mm. of my vision, and it's happening also to me when people are touching me. Um, so I don't know if it's synesthesia, but maybe. But I would say that as a perfumer, you use a synesthetic language mm -hmm. every day. Because you are, you know, you need to try to, yeah, to characterize a, a scent, and right. we, we don't have a lot of vocabulary for it, so we use other senses to um, to try to describe it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, a scent can be warm, cold, high pitched, uh, colored, whatever. So I think the best you describe a scent, the best you can uh, make it understand to other people. And synesthesia might be an answer, yeah. I love that. Well, that is a great transition to the next part of our show because I know that you created a fragrance all with the idea of describing it through shapes and textures and feelings, 
with someone who has anosmia. So we are now going to move on to that. And with that, welcome Emma to the show. Emma, welcome to the Perfume Room. This is a podcast all about smell and fragrance. You also have a podcast all about smell and fragrance. When did you realize that you were anosmic? Was it an aha moment or sort of gradual? Well, first, I'm very honored to be in your podcast. And as you said, I have a podcast in France about uh, fragrances and anosmia. So it's pretty funny. Um, I realized it when I was, I think I was 11, which is very late in a life mm -hmm. to realize oh, wow. that uh, smelling exists. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, you know, in France, the problem is that in France, um, the word to smell means so many things in France. It has really many meanings, not only smelling, you know, fragrances. Mm -hmm. So uh, I mixed up in my brain uh, about what was smelling and it arrived, in fact, um, when I was 11, my little brother, who was um, eight at this time, just said, uh, oh, uh, mom cooked some French fries. And we were not in the apartment at all. Uh, we were in the stairs, in fact. And I thought, wow, my little brother is magic. He can see that <laughs> mom has cooked some French fries. And actually, she had cooked some French fries. So it was so strange for me. And after, uh, after we ate and after he went to the restrooms <laughs> and it, something was just, it, it, it stinked, in fact. And he said about, oh, it doesn't smell good. And I was, what is he talking about? So I asked my mother what smell is. And it's not easy for a mother to realize that her daughter cannot smell. It's, it doesn't wow. exist, in fact. So it has right. been... Difficult to understand each other until my father came and said, you cannot smell anything. So he tried to make me smell, you know, the perfume Heure Bleu de Guerlain. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It was the perfume of my mother and I couldn't smell anything. So we understood there was a problem, in fact. Wow. Wow. And you were born with this condition, right? It's been your, your entire life, right? Yes, I'm a congenital anosmic because I don't have here in, uh, in, in between the two eyes, above mm -hmm. the nose, you have um, olfactive bulbs. You have two mm -hmm. of them. You do have them. Hugo Charon do have them. Everybody in the world do have them, but I don't have them, in fact. So wow. this is why I cannot translate, in fact, the odors to the brain. Wow. So, you know, I mean, there's the expression, you can't lose something you never had. How does it feel uh -huh. um, having <laughs> never having never had scent? I mean, if someone loses it, I'm sure it it's like to know scent and then to lose it must feel different than to never have had it. Yes. Okay, you're right. Uh, I haven't lost anything, but uh, I have a big frustration. In fact, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a handicap. Okay, it really yes, is yeah. because it's very dangerous not to, to smell things. Right, uh, right. I cannot smell gas. Uh, I cannot smell food when it's not good anymore. And it happened mm. a lot to me. Um, I, I cannot smell danger. Uh, I cannot smell even, even not dangerous things. But, you know, uh, I cannot smell if I stink or if I need a shower. Uh, mm -hmm. And I can tell you that all the congenital anosmic people don't understand what is the shower for. You know, wow. <laughs> we really make, uh, we, really, we really need a lot of years to understand that we have to, to wash our bodies because we mm -hmm. never know what we smell. Uh, my breath, I don't know if it mm -hmm. smells good or not. So it's, a, it's not an easy life. It's not dramatic uh, mm -hmm. when you're born without. It is dramatic when you lose the sense of mm -hmm. smell. It's really dramatic. 
Do you think your other senses sort of overcompensate for not being able to smell? And and what do you do to sense danger the way that someone would smell a fire or expired food? Okay, first, I don't think uh, I'm sure of it. Uh, for example, for my part, uh, I, I have developed um, the, uh, the touch, tactile, mm-hmm. touching people, touching everything. Uh, if you were with me in the same room, uh, I would be touching you. Uh, I would what be a shame a bit... we're not together. <laughs> no, because, you know, I, um, I don't know how to maintain the distance between two bodies because mm-hmm. I don't have information about you. So uh, I, I'm going really too, too close from people. It's, it's not easy for people who don't know me. Uh, the first time I, I met Hugo, really, physically, uh, I don't know if you remember, but I, I was doing as always. It means I, I'm touching the shoulders, I'm touching the hands, I'm touching mm-hmm. the faces. I'm trying to touch to get some information that I will never get anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just I cannot smell him and I cannot smell right. you and touching doesn't bring that much. And something else I do is that I put everything in the mouth like a baby mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to try to, to feel how it is. And uh, most of the time it's not very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so your taste is absol- is all there. It's just the, the no. smell. No, 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 no. I don't have a, no, no. My sense of taste um, is very depreciated. I don't have a, a, a very good sense of taste. You know, most of what you eat, really, it's fragrances, in fact. It can be like 90% of fragrances. I can tell you that vanilla is not a taste, not at all. But an oyster, mm. if I eat an oyster, I have almost the same taste that you have because it's, it's a lot of taste, an oyster. But vanilla doesn't mm. exist as a taste. I don't know what is vanilla. I'm trying but I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. It's a fragrance. Mm. You know, I was talking to someone who who does smell training professionally in a previous episode, and she was saying that sometimes when people temporarily lose their sense mm. of smell, they perceive like spiciness, bitterness, things that you feel on your taste buds, things that like the way that if you have something sour, you feel it on your jaw. Does Do you still have those sensations? Yes, or? I do have those sensations mm-hmm. um, like you, but... That's almost all. Uh, mm-hmm. My favorite sensation is umami. This mm-hmm. is what means delicious in Japanese. And this is a, uh, most of the time, this is a favorite sensation of anosmic people, most of the time. I have the salty, I have the sweet, the bitterness, I hate that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what I have too is um, uh, all that is uh, very fresh, like mint, you know, for example. Mm-hmm. But it's too much. It's uh, it's too much because since I don't have fragrances, since uh, I don't have what we call in French, I guess it's the same in English, retrofaction. It's uh, it's really not as good as you. It's like I'm I'm losing a, a big part of what I taste, really. So, what sort of descriptors then or marketing are helpful or impactful to you if you are trying to understand how something smells or if you are shopping for fragrance? <laughs> I never shop for fragrance. <laughs> this is not did you, my Did life. you wear perfume prior to Umema? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because uh, you have to know that Anosmic people want to be normal. Um, yes. Uh, when we understand that you're living in a world very special where fragrances are so important, you don't realize, but you, Anosmic people, you are always talking about fragrances. 
in the mm-hmm. wrong way, by the bad way, but you're always talking about that. And right. we want to be like you, you know, uh, we want, we don't want to be different. And since we don't mm-hmm. know how our body smell, we need to control. So now I understand I have to take a shower every day. Okay, I got it. But it's maybe not enough. So I asked my prior husband uh, to find fragrances for me. So he chose some fragrances, like, for example, a poem uh, mm-hmm. from Lancôme. This was one of mm-hmm. them. Um, but it was like to try to have um, a non-factory identity, you know, to mm-hmm. try to, to be normal to try that someone tells me, oh, you smell good. This is the best mm-hmm. thing you can tell to someone who doesn't smell. You smell good. Mm-hmm. And I will I will feel great <laughs> if you tell me that. Yeah, I mean, how has anosmia impacted your interpersonal relationships? You know, I feel like so much of dating or friendships is knowing people's scents or, or detecting <laughs> or having scent memories or things like that. Okay, there is two answers to the question. The first answer is that my anosmia is directly related to a, a very rare syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very rare. Uh, usually it's for men, but I got it. And lucky. It's uh, lucky me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I am, um, how do I, am I going to say that in English? Uh, I, I stayed a little girl a long time. I, I, I didn't become a woman with everything that, show mm-hmm. that you are a woman. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't get my periods. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I stayed in a little girl body a long, long time, like more than 20 years. So mm-hmm. let me tell you that boys were not interested in me at all because mm-hmm. of that. And first, when uh, when um, uh, the medical uh, took care of me and became a woman with a lot of um, hormones, uh, when I really became a woman, it, it's still difficult because um, I couldn't smell the boys in front of me. Mm-hmm. And it's very important, in fact, in life. It tells a lot about someone. And I'm sure, I'm sure that I took the wrong hus- husband because of that. I'm sure. Uh, are, are you divorced now? Yes. Ah, okay. It's because of that. It's got to be because of I, that. I'm sure there's the kind of information that you don't get. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but this is mm-hmm. the way I say the story to me. You know, I tell the story mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we have four kids, beautiful kids, and they can smell, so it's perfect. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm sure it it has changed something in my relationship with people. And you know, since I'm always touching people, well, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm sending... Uh, sexual messages I don't want to send because mm-hmm. uh, men say, okay, she likes me, she's touching me and everything. No, I don't like you. I'm just trying to get some information. Right. So someone looking at you would have no idea that you're touching to overcompensate for not for not smelling. Exactly. I, I look normal and I'm not normal at all. My, my body is not normal at mm-hmm. all. So, mm-hmm. but how can you say that the first time you meet someone? You know, right. you don't right. say that. You don't say, okay, I can smell... And uh, it's difficult for the uh, daily uh, relationship. For example, if I uh, uh, go to have a drink with friends, I never drink alcohol because mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't make sense for me. I, I don't I don't smell anything with wine. You know, I live mm-hmm. in Burgundy in France. This is wine everywhere around me. And mm-hmm. my father is very passionate by wine and I just can't smell everything. So when I, I'm going to have a drink, I ask for a hot chocolate or a tomato juice, you know, mm-hmm. orange juice, nothing mm-hmm. fun. So I, I, everybody thinks that I'm not fun and maybe I'm not because I, I don't like that. In fact, alcohol 
doesn't exist in my life. So when you say you order tomato juice or hot chocolate or orange juice, do those tastes register for you? And, and can you, are those things that you can perceive? It's sweet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sweet. So I can't, yes, it does exist. And I don't, uh, it's not the same at all. Hot chocolate and, and orange juice. I can't recognize them. It's different mm-hmm. enough. So I can recognize them and appreciate them. Um, but uh, for example, at the breakfast, if I put jam, you know, on my French toast, I will never mm-hmm. recognize the jam I put on. If I don't see it, and even if I see it, uh, mm-hmm. maybe it's uh, abricot or maybe it's cherry, it's the same for me. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. recognize it or, or eating yogurt or all the spices, I don't have them. Wow. So are textures more important for you in food? Are there certain textures that like really make you happy? Well, I can't, I cannot say that it's more important for me than for you, but it Mm -hmm. is important for me, for sure. Yes. Is is it more for me than for you? You know, I I cannot compare with anything. I'm completely lost uh, in your world. So Mm -hmm. it's important. I don't know how important it is for you, but for me, it is important. Mm. I want to talk about scent memories. I feel like certain smells are triggers for people. What, What for you is a trigger that brings you back to a certain time or place? Uh, I used to say that congenital anosmic people live without memory. Uh, mm. I do have some memories, but not that much. Uh, and I don't have this connection between smelling something that brings you back in your childhood, for example, or, or you know, uh, to a memory. Uh, I don't have that. And I think it's a big, big part of memory. Um, my memory is most visual and even it it doesn't work like yours i i don't have that much memories it's uh, it's complicated sometimes i i have four kids and sometimes they tell me about something or just their childhood and sometimes i wonder if i am the mother because i don't remember anything of their childhood mm-hmm. uh, i'm living the day i'm living in fact and um, it's difficult i i think maybe it's not the reality but i think it's because i'm a nosmic Yeah. Hi guys, it's Emma, the other Emma. Speaking with Emma was really eye-opening. Even just listening back to our interview was so poignant for me. As someone who hosts a podcast all about smell, it's so easy to take this sense for granted. Emma's openness about her experience is profound and was probably one of the key components of what made this joint endeavor that you're about to hear about of Ugo creating a fragrance that perfectly captured Emma's taste, interests, and personality in one bottle, something that was even doable. Here to tell you more about that are Ugo and Emma as they discuss their fragrance, Umema. How did you two first get connected? An anosmic, a perfumer? Tell me about that. So um, Emma contacted me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was that? Like two years ago? It was in June 2021. Yes. So she was uh, doing that podcast about anosmia and was inviting different people to talk about um anosmia and um, perfumery and uh, she saw that I did some experiment with uh, synesthesia mm-hmm. in the past uh, it was um, at an event called Smell X it was with another uh, girl called uh, Olivia Jesler mm-hmm. and uh, we did like uh, some experiment about 
synesthesia and how to see uh, what it could bring to, yeah, to the perfumery world. I really was seeking for someone who could tell me about um, uh, synesthesia. I, I didn't know very well what it was. And I saw that uh, this man called Hugo Charon, a French man uh, based in New York, um, for man, uh, knew about it a little bit more than me. So he, he accepted to, to, to be in my podcast. And uh, this is how we met. And it should have stopped at this time, but uh, it didn't stop, in fact. So because he had this crazy idea to make a perfume using synesthetic language. So tell me more about Scent-X and what you were doing with synesthesia prior to getting connected. So um, at Smell-X, actually, it's based on the Kiki Buba experiment. It's an experiment that m was made in the 1920s, uh, where uh, academic people asked people to uh, link shapes and words. Mm -hmm. Two shapes, one very uh, spiky, one very round, and link it to to the words Kiki or Booba. Mm -hmm. And the interesting result is that more than 95% of people were linking Kiki to the spiky shape and Booba to the round one. Interesting. Very interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So Olivia uh, asked me to design two scents, mm -hmm. one spiky, one round. Mm -hmm. And then uh, for that Smellix experiment, people were uh, asked to design some shapes with clay while mm -hmm. smelling those um, two different uh, smells. And there was some there were some interesting results because we were seeing a pattern. People with the uh, round shapes, sorry, when they were smelling the the round smell mm -hmm. and vice versa. So for the round smell, I designed uh, that with you know, a lot of comfort comfortable smells like ionons, vanilla, creamy, creamy, creaminess musks. And for the spiky one, it was more the um, like very sharp aldehydes, some spiky uh, peppers, mm -hmm. uh, lemon, things that were more aggressive. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was uh, very well welcomed. Mm. And so, Emma, you you saw this experiment and got in touch. Yes, uh, I've seen this experiment uh, on internet. In fact, this medical experiment, and uh, I thought it was very interesting. But I didn't know what to do with that. In fact, and I'm sure Hugo would know what to do with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we made this. Uh, this interview, very interesting. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the interview, we said, well, maybe we should try something together, but what can we try? Well, you're making perfume. I don't smell anything. This would be completely crazy to create a perfume with me. Mm -hmm. And since he's a man of challenges, <laughs> he said, let's do it. But we didn't have a clue of how we would do that. It was, it was something totally new. We invented something, in fact. So it has been difficult to start. How did you do that? How did you describe what you were looking for? So um, I think the, there was another key moment. It was the WPC in Miami, mm -hmm. uh, the World Perfumery Congress, and they were looking for um, lecturers to present some ideas. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, okay, maybe it's a good moment to, to show something to the perfumery world. So I've... Um, asked man if that uh, project about how to create uh, a perfume based on synesthetic language could help uh, anosmic people, but how 
anosmic people could help also the perfumery to be better at describing scents. Mm -hmm. And uh, so man uh, loved, loved this idea. They presented to the WPC, they approved it. So we need to present something in the next uh, six months, eight months. We need to create a presentation and create a perfume for, for the event. Mm. So as you guys were creating this fragrance together, Hugo, how did you describe different notes to Emma? So it was very difficult because she does. She was talking about vanilla or vetiver. She doesn't know what it is, mm -hmm. right? So I was trying to just um, use more detailed language. So vanilla for me is more round. Mm -hmm. So since Emma is understanding also the the shapes, I was saying, okay, this is round. This is more um, warm. This is dark. Mm -hmm. So see to and this is the point I think with the with a synesthetic language is you can be very, very, very specific. Mm -hmm. And we need to be more specific because even between colleagues sometimes as perfume experts, we, my green, your green is not the same. Right. Right. So you need to be okay. Uh, what green do you want? You want a pale green, a mm -hmm. dewy green. So I think the more you use um, specific adjectives to describe a scent, the more you are precise. And, and Emma, what were some of the adjectives and descriptors that really felt like you or that you knew coming to Ugo you wanted to have in your fragrance? Well, it's difficult because I, I don't know what I'm talking about. In fact, <laughs> I remember uh, we had a game last summer, uh, in summer 2021, and we were, uh, we were trying uh, uh, by WhatsApp because it was in New York and I was in France uh, to guess what the other one was talking about. And I needed an entire day uh, just to guess um, what's the English name for glycine, Hugo? Wisteria. Okay. And I needed a day because we were agree we agreed on nothing. For him, it was cello for, uh, cello for music, for example. And for me, it was uh, Tibetan... Um, Drums? Yes, uh, it was never. We we were we, we didn't agree on nothing about uh, this about the color, uh, the taste, uh, the music. It it was really mm -hmm. difficult. And I asked him, for example, he was talking about vetiver. When you talk about vetiver, when you talk about uh, musk, uh, what are you talking about? In fact, if you tell me, okay, uh, vetiver, where it grows uh, uh, here and it looks like that, and it doesn't help me. Uh, tell me about uh, tell me about a color. Tell me about a taste. Tell me about music. Mm -hmm. Tell me about paintings. Tell me about a poem. Uh, tell mm -hmm. me uh, about something I can understand. Tell mm -hmm. me everything so I can have a small idea of what is a uh, musk or or vetiver. And for him, it was so difficult because nobody does that. In fact, and for me, it was difficult too. So first, we had to understand each other. The first mm -hmm. steps really do it, it lasted months just to understand mm -hmm. each other. And my chance um, is that Hugo is very connected to other arts, in fact. Uh, and I think this helped us a lot, I think. So so how would you describe Vetiver to Emma? <laughs> uh, this one is so easy for him now. <laughs> okay, let's do a harder one. Uh, what's one what's one that we should we should discuss? Uh Ambre gris. I know uh, it's in the sea. I know what it is. I know what it mm -hmm. is. But why is it so nervous? 
I don't get it. What it is, in fact, I don't get it. It's like a secretion from the uh, sperm whale. Mm -hmm. I know that. We're sold already. Whale Mm -hmm. whale secretions, sign me up. (laughs) And then it's floating on the sea during, I don't know, days, months, years. And then it's got that uh, very, very animal scent. So I mean, kind of dirty. For me, it's kind of uh, uh, dusty. Dusty, like, uh, you know, dust. Plus, you have some uh, some sexiness into it, like addiction. But it's <laughs> if you take it alone, for me, it's not smelling that good. Mm-hmm. But it can give some, uh, yeah, very, it's almost leathery to me, uh, animalic. can be a bit urine-like, but uh, it's a very fascinating scent. It's very expensive, so you cannot put a lot into... Well, every time it tells me it's expensive, I want it in my perfume. But right. that's the number one factor. <laughs> that's the number one. Uh, I'll no. take five. Yeah. But, <laughs> but tell me about which music it is, which painting mm-hmm. is it, which uh, right. poem is it? Who, you know? who is Ambergris in music? Who is Ambergris? Yes. Who? Yes. Um, it's classical, but uh, like... Uh, I mean, this is an old ingredient. So see, mm-hmm. for me, it's kind of classical, but deep. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I'm thinking about Mozart. I don't know. Mozart. Mm. I mean, I think everybody would have a different answer. That's the beauty of it as well. Right, Just right. a way of uh, trigger your imagination. So let's talk about the fragrance you created, Umema. What notes did end up making the cut? So the first Peter is uh, umami. umami. Umami, which you were talking about earlier. Yes, because it's my favorite taste. And I was crazy when he told me he wanted to make a perfume on umami because for me, it was completely crazy. For me, umami, it's what you have in cheese, what you have in a, a French food like pot-au-feu, um, mm-hmm. what you have in, a, in Japanese food. It was completely crazy for me. And this was the, the great idea, in fact. So that was the beginning. So the idea was, okay, how can you create the idea of the taste of umami. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had that also. It was a very key moment in our project because we went to uh, bar sur Lou at Man. It's a headquarters near to Grasse. Okay. And um, we had like a full day of um, experiments. We tasted a lot of things because, in fact, when you smell umami, it's mainly because of one molecule called monosodium glutamate glutamate, and it's not smelling anything. But when you taste it, you have sensations of um, unctuosity, of uh, saltiness, um, I would say leatheriness, smokiness, a bit buttery as well. Mm -hmm. So my process was, okay, how can I create that effect? Creaminess, unctuosity, leatheriness, saltiness. In an accord, so mm-hmm. I combine a few ingredients. Um, for me, cedar atlas is very salty. You have salicylate as well that can give some saltiness. Plus, what, are, what did you say? Uh, salicylates. You mm. know, it's kind of a family. You use that to create solar accords. Basil salicylate, exyl salicylate. Um, those are great ones. Isobutyl salicylate is a bit more, yeah. So Emma, how did you know, like, okay, cedar and salicylate? 
salicylate. salicylate and all of these ingredients. How did you say, yes, let's move forward with that ingredient? I'm not sure I said yes, <laughs> because I'm not sure <laughs> he let me the, the choice. The truth is coming out. <laughs> but, you know, he's the one who knows, in fact. Right, he, right. He's, he's the perfumer. It's something mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, so I have to, to have confidence in him, So mm-hmm. uh, or it wouldn't be possible. And it's not my job. And I, I, as I told you, I don't have a clue of what I am talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I decided uh, definitely that he was the one who knows. And, uh, you know, in my life, I like to control everything. And for the first time, I let, I had to let someone else to do something because I couldn't have control on anything. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was the master, you know, it's him. It's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's his own interpretation. And if Hugo says, we're going to put umami in this perfume, well, let's go. <laughs> Why should I say no? You know, right. I'm nobody in this in this art to say no. So... Right. Um, but when we were at Bar sur Lou, we made mm-hmm. some experiment and we visited the, the firm with all the ingredients. And it was pretty funny because I, I told you I put everything in my mouth and I can tell you that everything is not good to put in his mouth. But Hugo decided to, to, to do it too. So he wow. tested everything in his mouth and it was terrible because it was something, <laughs> sometimes it was really helpful, like. Uh, Elemi, was it Elemi we tasted? Elemi that... is kind of a resin, but it's, yeah, it's, it was, I would not say, would not say awful, but more su- surprising. Yes, but it's... you know, my, my reactions yeah. are more uh, exaggerating than yours because I don't have, I, I don't have the fragrances to help, to support, you know, to, to accept some things. Everything is exploding in my mouth. So I have mm-hmm. sometimes a, uh, very violent reactions <laughs> Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I really, what I loved, for example, it was like uh, uh, orris roots. Uh, that's my favorite. Yeah, it's very expensive. And uh, exactly, that's why I love it. <laughs> and you know, when you, when you touch it or when you put mm-hmm. it in your mouth, it's very, it's very soft. It's like skin. It's mm-hmm. uh, it likes baby skin, in fact. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I don't have a clue of what it smells, but I wanted it in the perfume. And mm-hmm. since Hugo liked it, he said, "Okay, let's do that." For example, yeah, and for me it was important because since Emma is very uh, tactile, she has that notion of uh, yeah skin and oris. For me, has that very comfortable. It's for me it's between cold and and warm, but paired with musks, it was a great um, combination to emphasize the yeah all the creaminess and the roundness mm-hmm. because one key thing about the fragrance umema mm-hmm. it's it's about booba it's not kiki you wanted a booba fragrance emma i i, I am a booba girl for sure me too yeah <laughs> i needed a booba okay and he understood that with a, a bucket of flowers uh um, they asked me before i came to bar sur they asked me what are what were my favorite flowers so i told them and a beautiful bouquet was expecting us uh, in the experiment room, really beautiful, except mm-hmm. one flower I really didn't like. And I just mm-hmm. took them away. And it was the only kiki flowers of the bucket. And everything else was really booba. And I think, Hugo, it's at this time, you really understood I was a booba girl more than a kiki girl. Yeah, it was the, the birds of paradise, mm-hmm. you know, the very spiky, colorful. Okay. So she removed that and then we had like a lot of uh, peonies um, with pale colors 
uh, roses, some fringes. So it was also another uh, way for me to to create kind of that brief mm-hmm. for myself since she she was experimenting, touching, listening, and then I had a lot of information, so I mm-hmm. needed to tidy that and find the best um, info I could to come back to the, the art of the creation. I don't know if you smell, remember, but uh, people can smell chocolate in the perfume. Oh, I want to smell it. And, uh, and because I asked Hugo to put chocolate in it, I don't have a clue if it's intelligent to put chocolate in a perfume, but I eat chocolate at every breakfast. So yes. it was important for me and he did it. He put some chocolate in it. And you know, this perfume is like a, is like a fireworks for what I understood because people mm-hmm. told me that uh, this perfume is incredible. It's like a fireworks. It, it changes smell every hour. And next morning, when you will smell Umema on you, you will, you will smell chocolate, but not now. It will come mm-hmm. after a few hours, in fact. Mm. Yeah, the chocolate, it depends how you build it. But here it's built. It's growing more on your skin. This is beautiful. I'm smelling, I am smelling umema for everybody listening. It's definitely booba. It's booba, but it's also, it's fresh and it's light. Sometimes I think of booba as like, when I think of booba, what does booba mean to you? When I think of booba, I think of sort of like really warm and like deep. And this somehow has uh, that warmth, but in a very soft, very light, pretty way. Does this mean anything to you as I say this, Emma? Or you're just like, good, I'm glad she likes it. You know, uh, I have a friend and she really loves perfume. Mm-hmm. And uh, she told me, okay, send me your perfume, but, I, I, you know, I'm not going to change my perfume. I love my perfume and, and maybe I will not like your perfume. And when she smelled it, she loved it. And she said, it's like, I can see a woman. Uh, how did she say that, Hugo? I can see a woman under the under the man of her man. Uh, you know, um, je vois une femme allongée mm-hmm. sous les caresses. Ah, uh, I'm seeing a girl. After after love, a, a girl, she just met love with her boyfriend mm-hmm. and is touching her, her skin and this is what she could see. And so something very tactile. And, very, yeah. And I, I loved it when she told me that. This is something I can understand because mm-hmm. it's something I experiment, something very visual and something uh, very true about me. Uh, but maybe she could have said that uh, because, you know, we're coming from the French countryside, Hugo and I, not the same part, but we are people from the countryside. And I wanted something also very fresh uh, because I, I live in a small village in Burgundy with a lot mm-hmm. of flowers and animals and grass and rain and uh, trees and everything. Well, countryside. And maybe she could have seen this part of the perfume if she had smelled it at another hour, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, this speaks to me. This is really beautiful. And Ugo, I almost feel like this is like a sign of how much you respect and enjoy Emma. Like smelling this, it's like, you know, he's in your corner. You know what I mean? This is a very, this is such a beautiful fragrance. And talking to you and meeting you and hearing your personality, it's like, take my word for it. But yeah, it smells like you. Like it just, it feels... And I, I really, I'm definitely getting that sort of umami flavor, yeah. the, the sort of like je ne sais quoi, like what is that, that little kick to it, you know? It's uh, a yeah. warm kick, a booba kick. Booba kick. Yeah, so the umami note is, um, is more 
present on the skin in the dry down. Mm -hmm. So since we have a lot of leathery, salty, it's very present at the, at the end of it. Mm. I'm also curious because being with Emma, tasting fragrances, had that been something you had ever done before? How did that shape how you created the fragrance and work on fragrances ever since that point? So yeah, it was very surprising to, for instance, we tasted some orris roots. What does it taste like? It's very <laughs> dusty, woody, um, kind of. But see, I, I still remember it. It was like a few a month, no, a year ago, right? I'm lost with with time. It but, was uh, in March. It was in March. And my point is, from all those small experiments, for me, the important thing is to um, to feel. And if you feel something, you remember it more than if you just see it. If you go to a concert mm -hmm. of your favorite artist, you will um, remember the emotions of it more than only if you listen to it on Spotify. Mm -hmm. um, if I want to create a jasmine, and that's how I, I did with my, in my training, mm -hmm. you buy a jasmine flower, you smell it, mm -hmm. and you try to replicate it just by your emotions and your nose. Mm, so you replicate from emotion and feeling and memory versus like this molecule at this percentage, you like more of a, a feeling. It's a feeling and then you it's a up and, I mean, trial errors. And, and then it's a combination of both. But I think the first part is to feel what you want to, yeah, what you want to express. So Umema is, is finished. You guys have completed the fragrance. Are you still tasting ingredients today? <laughs> uh, no, it has been a while. I didn't. But uh, if I have a very, very focused brief of, of an ingredient, tasting it will help me to discover another facet for sure. Mm. If I have like a, yeah, a rose, mm -hmm. for an, a rose was brief, mm -hmm. uh, I will not taste the molecules of the rose, but mm -hmm. just to taste the petal. Mm -hmm. You can feel the texture of it, and uh, it's another element you can bring to your imagination to create something. Mm. And I'm curious too, I read that you worked on, I think, 29 modifications of this fragrance. What was that back and forth, and when was the moment that you or both of you knew this is finished? So yeah, it's always... Um, it's a hard question to, to know when the perfume is finished. <laughs> Sometimes it's... Uh, so here we don't have a lot of constraints. Timing was a constraint because we need to, sh to showcase it at the WBC. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we had that deadline in mind. Mm. But then uh, I made her family smell three different directions and mm -hmm. they all agreed on the, on the 29th version. Wow. It has been very hard for Hugo to accept that I would never smell uh, his perfume. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it took him a, a year to accept it. I, I'm not sure you accepted it yet in any way. And no. uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, I have a father who has a very good sense of smell. Mm -hmm. And my daughter, my um, daughter has a very good uh, sm sense of smell. She's 20 years old. And so I asked my family, so my parents, my boyfriend, and my four children uh, to put themselves around the table. And Hugo sent us uh, uh, three, three modifications of the perfume. So everybody was smelling, 
you know, and smelling on me too, here, here, and in the neck, uh, uh, on the hand, and everywhere. And they all decided the, 20, the 29th was the best one, mm. uh, really. Uh, they all decided that, but it was funny because uh, uh, they could say, you know, uh, for this perfume, they could say uh, not all the ingredients, but they could say it's green, or they could mm-hmm. say it's uh, it's you, or not it's not you, but it was difficult to them to explain me why, in mm-hmm. fact. Mm-hmm. And um, the next morning, it was at my parents' house. And the next morning, uh, my father smelled again the um, mouillette. Ah, the pepper strips. Yes, he smelled it again. I said, my God, this perfume is completely crazy. Uh, it completely changed since yesterday. And uh, my father is really fond of it. And my boyfriend also, because he, he wears it now every day. So it, it was made initially for a woman, but mm-hmm. uh, now we have men wearing this perfume too. Mm. Yeah, it's, I would say it's a unisex uh, fragrance. It's, it was there to represent you, but uh, for me, yes. uh, yeah, you don't have sex in that gender in, uh, in perfumery. Mm-hmm. So my final question about Umema, Emma, what does it mean to you? What does it feel like? To wear umema, it it means that I exist. Uh, I olfactory exist. You know, um, in fact, what Hugo did is that he gave me an olfactory identity I was looking for so many years now, and uh, something that really um, is uh, is well, it's for me, but it's for the entire world. In fact, you know, it just. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, okay, I'm wearing it every day. You know, before mm-hmm. with my uh, prior perfumes, I was always uh, uh, I was always forgetting to to wear them. I asked as my prior husband to to buy me perfumes, but I was never wearing them. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> and this time right. you cannot smell it because uh, I'm in France and you're in the US. But I, I'm wearing this perfume and I cannot smell it. But I know that people coming to me will say she smells very good. And maybe they will remember me uh, when they left me because of my perfume. And Mm -hmm. this is enough for me. And this is a lot for me, in fact. Mm. That's so beautiful. Is there anything that you want people listening to understand about anosmia that they might not understand or might not know? Well, I would say that uh, people have to understand that anosmic people in the world, it's 10% of the population. It's a lot of people. Uh, Mm -hmm. Either they are traumatic anosmic or... uh, congenital anosmic, it's a lot of people. And those people, most of them do wear perfume. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the perfume industry completely ignore them because they don't know we exist, in fact. And now they know it. And they they heard it very well at, me, at Miami. Really, it was a warm, a warm reaction. They just didn't know. And now they know. And they will be more inclusive, I guess, I hope. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to know that... Uh, uh, there is also a market for them, in fact, because we are here. We do exist, but maybe maybe try to talk to us in a different way, in a way we can understand. Don't tell us about vetiver or musk or ambergris. Umber, umber Don't tell mm-hmm. us about that. Tell us about uh, music. Tell us about poetry. Tell us about colors. Mm-hmm. Tell us mm-hmm. about, you know, a sculpture. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Speak to us, in fact. I love that. And that's a great segment to our final segment of the show, 
which is a rapid fire game that's normally called What's That Smell? But I thought today we would change it to Kiki or Booba. Kiki or Booba. So I will throw out different concepts, things, places, people, artists, whatever. And you guys tell me both of your individual opinions. Is it Kiki or Booba? Are you ready to play Kiki or Booba? Yes. Okay. Uh, okay, let's do some artists. Uh, the Beatles, Kiki or Booba? Oh, it's Booba. Uh, Booba. What? Okay. Is Purple, Kiki or Booba? Booba. Ah, uh, Booba, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yellow. Kiki. I would say Kiki as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Funny thing is, uh, I don't know if you know Kalinsky. He, yeah. So he created a theory of colors, mm-hmm. and for him, um, yellow is a triangle. A triangle. Triangle. Okay. So it's kind of spiky. It's Kiki. It's Kiki. That's yeah. interesting. I I almost think of I see when you say Kiki, it's like I feel influenced, but I almost think of yellow as Booba. I think personally. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, pink. Booba. I would say Kiki. Booba. See? Ah. I would say Kiki. <laughs> Because uh, it depends of uh, which pink you're yeah, talking I know. about. I'm not being specific. Yeah, but for me it's kind of aggressive, and maybe the I was influenced by the word pink. Mm-hmm. Ah, pink. yes, the word is very the word pink is very kicky. I agree. The end of it, not the beginning. And the word yellow is very booba. Yeah, yeah. yellow is a booba word for sure. But this True. is in English because in French it's different. In French, yeah. pink mm-hmm. is rose, rose, and rose is very booba. In fact. Right, right. Okay, what about the month of October? Um, ah, very good question. October. I would say mm-hmm. I would say Buba because it's being a full. You need to be home in your cozy space. Yes. I don't know. It's my interpretation. I, I would say Buba because uh, this is the month where I start firework in my chimney, so it's very mm. you know warm. Mm. Okay, Emma, what is your astrological sign, your horoscope? Uh, What's the name in English? Um, An April. April? Uh, Aries, yeah. Okay, so in English it's Aries. Is that Kiki or Booba? Kiki. Kiki? You're Kiki? What is your sign? Scorpio. Scorpio? Me too. When's your birthday? And so is Wyatt. (laughs) This is very Kiki, Scorpio. Yes. (laughs) When's your birthday? 5th of November. Oh, wow. Okay. This is a a Scorpio. You're sitting among... Three Scorpios right now, so that's great. Okay, I have the final question. Uh, Ugo, Kiki or Booba? Oh, definitely, definitely Booba. I mean, do you agree that you're a Booba? <laughs> I think I'm both. Wow. <laughs> we Maybe contain multitudes. Right. We contain, and we obviously know Emma is Booba is, through is and Booba. through. Maybe with a hint of kickiness. But- <laughs> 90, 90% booba. 90% booba, okay. My, my character is very kicky, in fact, but all the rest is booba. It's, it's difficult. Mm. It's a difficult question. Yeah, I mean, we are complex individuals. You can't put us in a circle, yes. in a spike, you know? We are, we are all things at once. Well, it has been such an absolute pleasure chatting with both of you all about Umema. Where can people, if they want to purchase it, is it available to shop for today or...? Not now. We are in the process of uh, creating the bottle. We want to do like a full 
well, the bottle to be different. So we're in the process of creating it, but mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be soon available. Okay, well, I forgot to ask about that, which I would love to know. Is there anything you can share about the inspiration for the bottle and the packaging? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's in the process. So we have some ideas, but it's like the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. So yes. it's going to be, if you think of Booba, it's going to be round more than vertical. Mm. Things like that. Some hints, but nothing is defined yet. Mm. Yes, it's for 2023. <laughs> yes. And what color is Umema? Um, green. Green, but what kind of green? Yes. I have a color in my mind. Which one? I, I smell this and I see a seafoam green. Seafoam? Yeah, for me, it, yeah, it's it's not a vivid green. It's more like a dark. And there is some brown. and. Uh... This is this is what my uh, daughter said when she smelled it for the first time. She said it was a dark green, if you're talking mm. about that. Well, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you both. Thank you so much. And as soon as Umema is available for sale, I am happy to share with everybody listening so that you all can experience it for yourselves. Thank you so much. Perfume Room is edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez. 